0: If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to Luke chapter 17? Luke chapter 17, I'd like to read the first six verses of that passage. Luke 17 and verse 1. Then said he, this is Jesus Christ, unto the disciples, It is impossible but that offenses will come, and woe unto him through whom they come. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and he cast into the sea then one of these then he should offend one of these little ones take heed to yourselves if thy brother trespass against thee rebuke him and if he repent forgive him and if he trespass against thee seven times in a day and seven times in a day turn again to thee saying i repent thou shalt forgive him and the apostles said unto the lord increase our faith and the Lord said, If he hath faith the grain of a mustard seed, ye might say unto this sycamore tree, Be thou plucked up by the root, and be planted in the sea, and it should obey you. Lord willing, I'd like to focus on that little phrase of uh, the, the, the request of these disciples here to increase our faith. This subject matter of faith got really, really big. And uh, I always like to have a, a message all worked out before I present it to you, but I don't think there's any way in the world I can get it done in just today. But at the same time, I'm a little worried because I think I'm going to spend most of today of what faith isn't before I get to tell you what faith is. So if I leave you down in the dumps, just, just, just hang on with me, Lord willing, I'll get to it soon. But it is a, it is a big subject. When I talk about faith... There's a, two statements I want to make that I want to make it clear as I go forward. Number one, faith is a fruit of the Spirit. It doesn't invite the Spirit. And the second thing is, is faith is paramount to anything you will do. You can't obey without faith. Sometimes you can obey, but it's not by faith, it's by fear. You can't love without faith. You can't serve without faith. You can't pray without faith. You can't read your Bible by faith. You can't come to church and be a good member by faith. Now your foreheads are getting all scrunched up at me. Sometimes we as Christians have faith in our faith. I'd rather have faith in Jesus Christ and his faith and my faith. But then I look at it and sometimes we get confused between believing and faith. They're a little bit different. A lot of people believe in God, but they don't believe God. The devil believed God, but they didn't have faith in God. What's the difference? You get, oh, Brother Dolph, you're getting into some weighty stuff. Well, hopefully by the time we're done it won't be that weighty and I give you a couple examples of people in the Bible that struggled with these things. So uh, I do want to talk about faith. Now, <clears throat> sometimes we get it in our mind that faith is is, is some kind of oh magic benchmark that when we arrive or get past a certain level, we've arrived and we're okay, we're heaven bound or secure. And, and I want to try to challenge your thinking on that right out of the chute. I was sitting yesterday writing down a couple things. And, and, and from a natural standpoint, see, see our flesh likes numbers. They, they, they like benchmarks, okay? So like, for instance, if, if uh, Josiah, you said you're 15, you're turning 16 in a week or two. If you were to go to the DMV, there are a test that they give you to get your driver's license, and it's got 35 questions, okay? You can only miss six and get your license, right? If you miss seven, you don't get your license, right? So 35 minus that's 28. 28 is a fail, 29 is a pass. We want something quantifiable, measurable. There's the line, If I get past that line, then I'm good, right? Okay, I looked up another one at Virginia Tech. In order to get Virginia Tech, you need an SAT score of 1200 to get seriously considered. So if I get 1190, you're gonna struggle. 1200, they're gonna consider my application. There's the line, right? I had to put this one in. If you were in the Army, and you're going through basic training, you have to do, a man has to do 35 push-ups to pass the physical fitness test. 34, he flunks. 35, he passes. Now, if you're a lady, you only have to do 13 to pass. 12, you flunk. 13, you pass. So much for equality, right? But that's the pass or fa- We, we want to know what the line is. This is what I'm striving for. And sometimes we get that way with our faith. Where's the line? Amen? What's the li- Lord, what's the minimum? What's, what's the score? What's, what's passing? What's failing? And I want to show you the ridiculousness of that type of thinking. I don't know. The, the other extreme is, is, is what is faith? Is faith kind of like pregnancy? Either you are or you're not. There's no middle ground. Is that what it is? And the answer is, well, let's see what Scripture says. Okay? So, well, that being said, I want to start off here, and I never read these two right here. Um, I want to show you some things. I, as, as I did a survey on the, uh, on the word faith in the Bible, there's a lot of opposites. And as I talk to you today, and maybe as it spills over into uh, future Sundays, when we talk about faith, a lot of the verses that we are going to reference talk about the quantity of faith and the quality of faith. And let me read you some of these. These are all... New Testaments, but in Scripture, and I, I'm not going to give you all the quotes, you can get the notes and look these up, but, but just for the first one, it says some people abide in faith and other people depart from the faith. So is that people that pass and that's people that fail? Is that how that works? Some people, their faith is grounded, some other people's faith is made shipwrecked. Some faith is kept while other faith is cast off. Some faith is unfeigned, other faith is denied. Some faith is steadfast, and some faith is overthrown. Now, the first ones I've given you, those are all the passing people, and the rest are all the flunking people. And the answer is no, I've flunked many a times, right? So, you know what happens when I flunk? I go, Teacher, can I have some extra credit? Is there any extra credit? Or, or is this a deal where I take the test and I keep my high score forever? Or do I constantly have to renew and take more and more tests to make sure I'm still passing the grade? How does this faith stuff work? Well, you can find theologies and doctrines that incorporate all these. But I don't care about faith and doctrines of other folks. I want to know what Scripture says. Right? So there's some opposites. That's the quantity of faith. You got a lot or you got a little bit. But notice these opposites. These are qualities of faith. Some faith is great. Other faith is very little. Some faith is strong. Some faith is weak. Some faith is counted for righteousness. Other faith is void. Some faith justifies. Other faith is vain. In some faith is sound, and other faith is an error. <clears throat> Again, I ask you the question, do the first ones are all are those people that pass? Are those people that are glowing the glory? And the second list are people that failed and they're doomed? Is that how that works? And I think all of us at certain times have failed, and made mistakes, and gotten weak, been little in our faith. Amen. So how does this work? How does this work? Well, Brother Dolph, you're, <laughs> you know, it's funny, when I was um, mostly I was a math teacher, but towards the end of my uh, teaching career they asked me to teach a couple science courses and uh, I did reluctantly. But as I taught these uh, I, I started off the year and I would ask my students to write down their I wonders. I wonder. And then, because what the course was designed is to create experiments to answer questions, to research questions. So I said, write down your I Wonders, and it was all about experimental design. And and what I did is we spent the rest of the year answering the kids' questions about I Wonder. So we would create and design an experiment so we could go through that. So as we would go through the experiments... It was funny. They might answer their question, but they go, Mr. Painter, this experiment created more questions than it answered. And I said, aha, that's the way good science works. That's the way a good experiment will work. It'll create more questions than it'll answer. It'll fuel your mind. What about this? What about if this happens? What happens? And that's the way it is. Well, I'm afraid that's what this study is going to do is we come through and we may answer a question or two, but it might create more questions than it'll answer. That's all right. That's why we study the Word of God, okay? And the person says, I got a corner on faith. I'm a little afraid of that guy or woman, right? Okay, so here, here's some of the, the, the extremes here, okay? What I did, and I got to share this because this is my experience, I'm going back now a long time ago to my 20s, the first time I ever cracked open a Bible in my life. As I cracked open the Bible in my life, I, I, I didn't know much. The particular order that I was raised in, I was taught some things about God and going to heaven. And, and as I started reading my Bible and, and realized there was a little bit more to it than some of the rigid rules that I, maybe I grew up in, I did my search. Okay? And I've got two confessions of faith here, and both of these are talking about the same thing. Okay? I got the first London Confession of Faith, and I got the second London Confession of Faith. Okay? And I got these phrases here because I call this the beer truck doctrine. I didn't even get one smile out of that. The beer truck doctor, okay? I'm sorry, I got to ask for laughs. That's a pretty bad comedian. I'm not a comedian, I'm a preacher, all right? This is the way I grew up, okay? Little bitty boy, eight, nine years old, peach fuzz little head. I'd go into the little confessional. <clears throat> I'd say, Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. And then I'd list off all the sins that I committed. And then he would tell me to say some prayers and I'd say some Our Fathers and I'd say some Hail Marys. And I would go through there and I got back there and I would say those things. And the way that worked is is if you got run over by a beer truck right after you did those penance, you were heaven bound. But if a couple days went by and you committed some more sins, you went to the other place purgatory until you got it all worked out. Okay? Okay. Not, I'm not doing this to make fun of anybody. All I'm sharing with you is I came to the conclusion that timing was everything. Depend. If the beer truck hit me right after confession, I was golden. If it hit me a couple of days later, I was in trouble. Okay? So when I read these two confessions of faith, I recognized the beer truck doctrine. Okay? So some of you... You have inclinations one way. Some of you may have friends that have inclinations one way. But the doctrine of perseverance is one that, to me, sounded like the beer truck doctrine. Timing was everything. And I don't think God works that way. I don't think he left our salvation to that route. Okay? But in the first London Confession, basically after you read it, let me read this. This is from chapter, this is uh, was, was, uh, 1646. This is 20, chapter 23, it's the 23rd article. Let me just read it. Though many storms and flood arise and beat against them, this is talking about the children of God, yet they shall never be able to... Be, I'm sorry. They should be able to take them off that, from the foundation of the rock. Whatever the trials are, they're never going to push you off of Jesus Christ. Which by faith are fastened upon, notwithstanding through unbelief and the temptations of Satan and the sensible sight Of his light and love, he clouded and overwhelmed them for a time, yet God is still the same, and they shall be sure to be kept by the power of God unto salvation, where they shall enjoy the purchased position and the engraven upon the palms of his hands, and their names having been written in the book of life from all eternity. In other words, you're going to go through trials of your life, and no matter what those trials are, and no matter what those storms are, and no matter what the world throws at you, when your eternal salvation is secure, you're good. Okay? Then we come to the second London Confession, and they made an adjustment to this statement. Okay? And this one, this same thing shows up in article, or chapter 17. This is part three. And again, I'd encourage you to read all those. The first line of confession only has one part. The second one has three parts. And I think they're consistent. I'm not trying to misrepresent anything. But this is part three. Though they may, through the temptation of Satan and of the world, and the prevalency of the corruption remaining in them, and the neglect of means of their preservation, fall into grievous sins, and for a time continue therein, whereby they incur God's displeasure and grieve the Holy Spirit, come to have their graces and comforts impaired. I believe all that. Have their hearts hardened and their conscience wounded, hurt and scandalize others, and bring temporal judgments upon themselves. I believe all that. Yet shall they renew their repentance and be preserved through faith in Christ Jesus to the end. I don't think they're going to renew it. Okay? So, my point is, is when I look at this thing called faith, what exactly is it? What does it enable you to do? When do we do that? Now, there's certain times where, y'all, yeah, my faith is like a roller coaster. There's times when I'm close to God, and there's times when I'm far away from God. And, and if it's based on timing... I hope the beer truck hits me at the right time. But that's not the way God works. Okay? I don't think there's a grade. I don't think you need a 68 is passing and a 67 is failing. I don't think it works that way. Okay. So let me show you a couple examples. Let's go to Mark 9 and let's read some folks that were recorded in Scripture. So I'm in Mark chapter nine, and let me start reading at verse eighteen. I'm going to ask you some really tough questions about a couple cases in the scripture. Okay, Mark nine, verse eighteen. <clears throat> this is talking about a man that was uh, uh, went to the disciples, and he said to the twelve disciples, "I've got this son. He's a grown man, but he's possessed with the devil." And the father goes to the disciples and he says, can you cast them out? And the disciples couldn't do it. So this is the story right here. So Mark 9 and verse 18. And wheresoever he taketh him and he teareth him and he foameth him and gnasheth with his teeth and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out and they could not. So this is the father talking to Jesus Christ and said, listen, I tried the 12 disciples and I said, you know. So my question to you is, is, do you think this father has faith? Maybe, maybe not, right? He was humble enough to go to the disciples. Can you help my son? Okay? I'm not, I don't know if I can give you an answer, but do you think he has faith here? Okay. He's going to Jesus now. And he says, the disciples failed. Well, the disciples couldn't do it. I'm going to go to Jesus, and I'm going to pray to Jesus. Jesus, will you help my son? Do you think he has faith now? Is it passing faith or failing faith? Hmm, tough question, right? Okay. Uh, this is Jesus Christ answering the Father, and he saith unto him, Faithless generations, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. Sounds like Jesus is flunking him, isn't he? And his disciples. And they brought him unto him, and when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground, and he wallowed foaming. And he asked his father, How long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, Of a child. (coughs) And oftentimes it cast him into the fire and into waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us, help us. And I love that word, us. He didn't say, help my son. He said, help us. Because to deliver my son is to deliver me. A true father will have that kind of love for a son when he says, help us. My son's going through the torment, but me watching him go through the torment is torment for me. Right? Help us. Verse 23, Jesus said unto them, If thou can believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. But notice what it says in 24. This is the father's response. In straightway, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. Oh, here's a waffly guy, right? Do you think he has passing faith or failing faith? He went to Jesus. He looked for help. But you know what? He admitted that there's some unbelief in his life. I think if all of us were honest, we would agree that there's some unbelief in our life, right? So what's passing and what's failing? I, I just want to show you to have that grade and to sit around and judge other people about who's children of God and who's not children. It's just foolishness. I'll leave that into God's hands, right? Some folks can talk a good game and you'll think, wow, That's great understand? But, but there's a difference between a child who obeys dad because he wants the car keys for the weekend and one that obeys him simply because he's thankful for the food and the house over his head that he's done and he sacrificed for him and he says, I want to please my father. One is kind of like belief and the other one's faith. Okay, <clears throat> And you know what? I'm not too good about judging that in other people. Matter of fact, I'm terrible about it. And sometimes I'm pretty shaky on judging it in my own self. Right. Let's read the rest of the passage. And when Jesus saw the people came running and rebuked the foul spirit and said, on, saying unto him, thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter him no more. <clears throat> and the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him. And he was as one dead insomuch that many said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. And when he was coming to the house that his disciples asked him privately why could not we cast him out? And he says because your faith was only a 67 and you need a 68 to pass. Thank you, Brother Greg. That's not how it works, right? (laughs) I'm reading this passage and I'm wondering when do the disciples get saving faith? When did the father get saving faith? When did the son get saving faith? You know what? I can't answer those questions. It's just not that simple. But we as religionists try to answer those questions and impose them on other people all the time. Amen? When will we learn? And he said unto them, This can come forth by nothing but prayer and fasting. Ah! you're at a 67 but if you get the extra credit points for praying and fasting then you get a 68 and then you pass I know I sound silly don't I but isn't that what our doctrine does sometimes Amen. it doesn't work that way case number one kind of confusing huh let's go to case number two this is one of my favorite accounts in the whole New Testament I love this account it's just so silly but it's so me (laughs) Okay, I'm in Acts chapter 12, and Peter got thrown in jail. Okay, so let me start reading here in Acts chapter 12, and let me start reading in verse 1. I'm going to go all the way down to verse 17. It's kind of a lengthy passage, so pull the Bible out in the pew in front of you and stay with me, okay? Now, about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to depict Peter, also then were the days of the unleavened bread, <clears throat> which means it was the Passover time. And when he had apprehended him that's Peter, putting him into prison and delivered him to the four quater- I'm sorry a quarter I'm having tough of that word four quarterions of the soldiers to keep him intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Peter therefore was in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. Okay, let's stop right here at verse five. Interesting. So, so let's pretend we're a church 2000 years ago. And there's this evangelist out there named Simon Peter. And we are the church, and he's come and preached to us many times. And we're getting together and we're meeting, and all of a sudden we hear Peter gets thrown in jail. And we get on the phone and we get our emails and we send out all the texts, and it says, Call to arms. And we call everybody, when I say arms, I mean our knees and praying, okay? I'm not, I'm not saying loaded up with your, your guns and things. So, so we all come together in the church and we're praying. And we're praying all night long. We pray through the night and into the morning. What kind of faith do you think that church has? You think that's passing faith or failing faith? You know the rest of the story, don't you? I'm going to read it to you anyway. We think that's pretty good faith, right? Yeah, come together, think God can do that. Okay, verse 6. And where Herod would have brought him forth, the same night Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, <coughs> bound with two chains, and the keepers, behold, the door kept the prison. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and the light shined in the prison, and he smote Peter on the side, and raised him up, saying, "Arise up quickly, and his chains fell off from his hands. And the angel said unto him, "Gird thyself, and bind on thy sandals." And So he did. And he said unto him, cast thy garment about thee and follow me. And he went out and followed him and wist not that it was true which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. Peter didn't believe it. Right? What kind of faith would you give him? Would you give him a 67 or a 68? Would you give him an 86 or a 90? I don't know. (laughs) Amber just said thumbs down, right? (laughs) He didn't believe it. He's in jail. The chains go off. The angel says, put on your shoes. Put on your coat. We're going. They start walking out the door. And he's going, this is a dream. This is not real. Right? Is that saving faith? I don't know. Have you ever been into a occasion like that where God's in the middle of a deliverance and You can pinch me. i got to make sure it's real. I don't believe it. Verse 10. Still in Acts 12, verse 10. And when they passed the first and the second ward, and they came unto the iron gate that leadeth unto the city, which opened to them of his own accord. He's calling the gate of his. And they went out and passed through one street, and forthwith the angel departed from him. And when Peter was come to him, this is when he figured it out. He says, hey, this is real. This isn't a dream. I'm really free. Now I know of a surety that the Lord hath sent his angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a damsel came to the hearken. Her name was Rhoda. Okay, so here you go. I'll read this last couple of verses in a second. But, but, but you gotta get the context. The church heard that Peter was thrown in jail. They said, We gotta pray for deliverance. <laughs> Peter gets delivered. So he goes to the house where they're praying. Church was, and, and, and he goes to the door, and here there's a group of people that have been praying all night long. Yes, verse fourteen. And poor Rhoda goes to the door and said, "Okay, we got another prayer warrior for us." But she heard Peter's voice. What kind of faith does poor Rhoda have? She didn't even have the sense to open the door to let him in, right? So she goes, hey, Peter's outside. And they said, well, let him in. No, that's not what they said. Let's look what they said. And they said unto her, thou art mad. Rhoda, you're crazy. Sister Rhoda, I am sorry. I am not making fun of you. It's just one of those things. I don't ever have to worry about that. There's no Dolphs in the Bible, so that that stuff doesn't happen to me. You're crazy, Rhoda. But she constantly affirmed that was even so. Well, why didn't you just go to the door, open him up, and let him see him? Oh, he's out there, he's out there, he's out there. Then they said, It is his angel. But Peter continued knocking, and when they had opened the door, (laughs) finally someone got the bright idea, okay, let's see, and saw him, they were astonished. But he, beckoning unto them with a hand to hold their peace, declared unto them how the Lord had brought him out of prison. And he said, Go show these things unto James and to the brethren. And he departed and went to another place. So Peter said, Go tell the people that I'm free. And then he went out. So I'm I'm asking you, when did these disciples that prayed all night have passing faith? When they got together and they prayed all night? When they got together, when they prayed all night? Or were they flunking? Or did they pass finally when Peter said, go tell people, and they actually went out and told people, hey, Peter's free? Is that when they finally passed? Is that when they finally got their 68? Is that how this faith stuff works? And the answer is, no, it doesn't. So, let's go one more count. I want to look at John the Baptist. He'll be the third and final man we look at. The first one we looked at was the father of the boy with the unclean spirit. The second one we looked at was the church that gathered to pray for Peter's release from jail. And the third one we're going to look at John the Baptist. If you have your Bibles and would we'll turn with me to Luke chapter 7, let me start reading at verse 18. <clears throat> and here's John the Baptist. Now, you remember John the Baptist? He's the one <coughs> who was inside his mother's womb, Elizabeth, and he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Do you think he had saving faith then? He was the one that um, saw Jesus coming and he said, behold, the Lamb of God. Do you think he had saving faith then? He was the one that went out in the wilderness in his crazy clothes, in his crazy diet. People made fun of him. It's like in the show, what do they call him in Chosen? They call him Creepy John. Right? Creepy John? Yeah. That's what the disciples call him, Creepy John and Chosen, right? Creepy John. That's what Creepy John. Did he have saving faith then? Did he have saving faith when he baptized Jesus? No. Did he have saving faith when he says, you know what, my ministry is just about over. It's time for me to decrease and it's time for Jesus to increase? You know how many preachers are willing to do that? Do you think he had saving faith then? So then he gets arrested and he's in jail. And he gets the report of Jesus' preaching. Let's pick it up here in Luke 7 and verse 18. And the disciples of John showed him all these things. John the Baptist's disciples were witnessing Jesus' miracles and his preaching. They came back to John when he was in prison. And he said, You can't believe it. And John, calling unto him his two disciples, sent, unto the, sent them to Jesus, saying, Are thou he that should come, or look we for another. I don't think he was using reverse psychology. I think, even though Jesus is his kinfolk, right? I wouldn't say first cousin, but second cousin, third cousin, I don't know, there's some kind of relationship there. And he saw the miracle, he saw the Lamb of God, he baptized him, he saw the dove come down, he heard the the voice from heaven, the perfect lifestyle, but then he had an idea of what this new kingdom would look like and what Jesus was doing was not lining up with his preconceived notions. And he skits word about Jesus' ministry, and he's thinking, "That's not what I expect. that's not the way I'd have done it." Amen? A couple weeks ago, we did a message called "Follow Me." And one of the points I tried to make is Peter and Paul had completely different ministries. Remember, Peter was the blue-collar worker, uneducated, sent to the educated Jews? Jesus or Peter was that guy? Paul was the one that was learned, and he was sent to the uneducated Gentiles. And I told you, I says, I wouldn't have done it that way. But God did. And Jesus has a ministry, and I would say, I wouldn't have done it that way. I'd have had a kingdom and armies and borders and a currency and an economy. And I'd have kicked all them Romans out of town as quick as possible. I wouldn't have done it that way. And here he is in jail. And he said, are you really the guy? Did John just go from an 87 to an 86? Or a 68 to a 67? Did he just flunk out? And when the men were come unto him, they said, John the Baptist hath sent us unto thee, saying, Art thou he that should come? Or look we for another? Another. In that same hour he cured many of their infirmities and plagues and of evil spirits, and unto many that were blind he gave sight. Then Jesus answering said to them, Go your way and tell John these things that ye have seen and heard, how that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor, the gospel is preached. And he blessed, he is he, whosoever shall not be offended in me. So they went back and reported that lesson to John and I don't know if John said, okay I've got peace I I don't know, we don't have the report I assume it probably did but do you think at that particular moment when he sent his disciples out, do you think he was also teeter-tottering of going to hell I sure hope not because I teeter-totter many times Amen Amen and I don't want this to turn into a timing issue where it's all based on am I going to die at the right time? Okay? Stay away from the beer trucks. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, what exactly is faith? We're getting near the end of today. Like I, I told you, I wouldn't get your answers solved. Let me give you a few things, though. What exactly is faith? Okay? John one twelve and 13. Faith is something you inherit. It's not something you earn. Okay? Romans twelve three and six. Faith is evidence of salvation. It does not cause salvation. Second Corinthians ten fifteen. Faith is something you grow, it's not something you conceive. First Thessalonians one three, faith is something you exercise, it's not something you manufacture. Hebrews 11:23 through 29 a saint's faith can deliver others in the eternal sense but not internally only Jesus can do that First Thessalonians 1 Thessalonians 1:5 through 8 a saint's faith can deliver self in an earthly sense but not an eternal sense Hebrews 11:1 faith is the evidence of things not seen not the result of having seen things I believe it when I see it that's not faith. Second Peter 1.5 Faith is something you add to. It is not something you add. Oh boy. Galatians 5.22 Faith is a fruit of the spirit. It does not invite the spirit. And then finally, Hebrews 11.6 Faith is paramount to all other behavior. Without faith you can't please God. Well, I mean, if I obey God without faith, you're not pleasing God. That's right. That's one of the biggest problems I have with the prosperity gospel. You're obeying the gospel. Why? Because I want to be rich. Amen? Is that faith? No, that's covetousness. Amen? So, faith, quality and quantity. (laughs) I'm afraid like a good science experiment, Today I probably raised more questions than I answered. I hope you'll dive into your Bible, look up the word faith, and go there and we'll see what next week has for us.